We here at the Then and Now podcast full-heartedly support members of the LGBTQ community. And because of information that we received from our guests that you're about to watch in this interview, we have come to the conclusion that we will not be promoting or streaming in anything related to Hogwarts Legacy that's coming out relatively soon. Thank you and enjoy the video. And we appreciate your continued support. Hello, hello, hello. This is another episode of the Then and Now podcast. This is a very special episode. Every episode is a special episode, but today in particular, we have this Ben Olivia. Oh my God. Hey, <laughs> Just went over this. I know, I know, I know. Olivas. Formaker Olivas. Olivas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> from from now on, we'll have him do all the introductions. <laughs> Even when he's out of the show, he'll come back to it. I'm usually really good about names, <laughs> announcing names, but all of a sudden, I'm on the spot and the camera's on, the lights are on. I show <laughs> <laughs> we're leaving all this in. None of this is getting cut out. We're actually going to put this at the very front of the, uh, the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, thank you so much for coming on. This is an instrumental moment in the podcast history, a staple point, because you are the first first, first game developer that we've had on oh, the podcast. And gaming is a really big part of what we like to talk about and what we like to go over here at the podcast. So thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, uh, and we're actually fans of the games you worked on, too, and the companies you worked for, as well as the animation studio, uh, Nickelodeon Animation. So we're all around. We're honored to have you on. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, all the properties. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and uh, get started with the, you know, the preliminaries that we have to ask about what got you interested in your line of work as a child. Like what what was instrumental in your development in that? Sure. So actually, uh, it's it's been kind of a long and winding road to get into game development for me. Um, I had been a gamer since I was a kid, though, um, and actually uh, I have really fond memories of um, going to my paternal grandparents' house, uh, and they had a Super Nintendo for all the grandkids there, um, and I would just stay up literally wearing my thumbs raw playing uh, Mortal Kombat and you know my my grandma in the morning would have to sit there with like medical tape taping my thumbs and and she thought this was like oh great he'll stop now I was like no now I have like you know protection on my thumbs I can I can like really keep playing (laughs) you've enabled me thank you yeah um you know and even before that uh my uh paternal grand uh mother was a teacher, and so she had uh, an old Apple II um, in the the first house uh, that uh, I really uh, went over uh, of theirs, um, and I would play uh, like old uh, like Asteroid, uh, you know, copies Man. and stuff like that. Um, Man, the original, original. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and after that, it was, uh, you know, all downhill. It was an only child. Um, so most of my uh, gaming experiences were uh, all single player games. Um, and uh, I came out when I was 12 and being queer, Latinx and Jewish, I tended to avoid online games as a whole because I right. people yeah. people aren't great. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, um, really, up until actually my uh, you know game development career started, uh, had really only ever been a single player, um, uh, you know, games that had really taken up my time. Um, but I didn't realize it was actually a, a viable career path until 2014. Um, my degree is actually in cultural anthropology. Um, I uh, had wanted to be a professor. Um, and in my uh, last year at UCLA, um, I found out that for the PhD that I wanted to pursue after that, uh, I was going to have to uh, become fluent in modern Japanese, uh, a proto-Japanese from when Japan was switching from using Chinese to developing Japanese and then Chinese from that period, then take an eight to 10 year PhD program and then get placed wherever in the country uh, I could find a job. (laughs) And again, given my background, there's only certain cities that I generally want to be in. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) 
that is extensive. He says this is after you'd already gone through school. I guess this uh, was my school. my last uh, quarter at UCLA. Um, yeah, that so, that I found yeah, this you, out. You'd already been in school oh your entire life. That's yeah. That's, geez, geez. <laughs> uh, but but real quick, I don't want to go past what you said. Uh, obviously, like you said, being queer, uh, being queer, Latinx, mm-hmm. has gaming kind of helped you in some way to to just kind of celebrate that, or have you found any kind of a community in gaming? Absolutely. Actually, um, the the first time that I really expanded into playing uh, games with other live humans uh, was actually when I was working at Riot. Um, I was hired to join, uh, at the time it was called Project Ares and was later revealed to be Valorant. Um, and at Riot, there's... Uh, quite a few um, employee uh, interest groups. Um, and so uh, Rainbow Riders is the queer one. And so uh, I started playing uh, Valorant with a lot of my coworkers, as well as Riot Noir, which is the, the Black Employee uh, Resource Group, and Riot Unidos, which is the Latinx Employee Resource Group. Um, and really, uh, you know, there was, there was crossover between all the groups, um, and especially within, uh, Rainbow Rioters. Um, and that was really the first time that I'd ever not only just played games actively with other people, but really felt like I was finding communities within gaming, um, to actually connect with and having that be a poor, a core part of my gaming experience. So Ben, if you would tell us exactly like what it is you do when you're working at these studios exactly. Sure. So um, my my ultimate goal is to uh, work with technical art, uh, specifically for animation and VFX. Um, my uh, position at Riot, my title was production coordinator. Um, and a lot of what I did aside from production ended up being uh, like junior technical art uh, work. I was doing a lot of integration. Um, So in Valorant, uh, the sprays, uh, which are, you know, these in-game graffitis that you can uh, use. I think I integrated the first 200 and something of them um, into the game, which is, you know, processing them in Photoshop, putting them into the game, making them functional. Uh, And then I also was really lucky enough to work with uh, the art lead on the team, Sean Marino, um, to learn how to actually like create custom functionality uh, mm-hmm. for uh, the sprays and really start to dive into that. Um, and then over time, that expanded into uh, all of the skins uh, for the weapons in Valorant need to be displayed in the store pages. None of the functionality that you see in game works in the store because it's all of the logic is meant to be driven off of what a player is doing you know reloading equipping all of that and so we would have to reproduce all of that functionality within the store and collections pages um so i started working on that um and actually helped uh train up and and kind of um start uh, a new team called heartbeats which was specifically focused on integration and release um, mm-hmm. And so that was also making sure all of the weapons, uh, everything else would get into a specific patch um, and go out to players. Um, and, and you mentioned like the doing the, I guess the coding and stuff for the, for spray paint. Uh, and roughly, you said 200, about, about 200 or so. Mm-hmm. About how, like roughly how long does it take? Like how many hours would you spend like a day trying to, to get all that in there because I know it's a very painstaking process. Right. Yeah, so when I, when I was first uh, starting on those, the, the tool that we had to actually automate a lot of that process wasn't working. So <laughs> the, those initial, uh, I think it was probably an initial between 50 and 100 were done manually. Um, and so that, that definitely took, uh, I think once I got into a rhythm, about an hour per. Um, and it, it got uh, easier once we got some of the tooling fixed once we went live, um, once our team started to grow and there's the bandwidth for, for that kind of uh, tool support. Right. Um, and uh, But then I would you know spend late nights just researching how to make like, I want to make this spray glow in the dark. Um, and, uh, the, I was, I was just researching and trying to figure that out and it wasn't something that we could end up getting into the live game, but it was something that 
In helping me, Sean Marino developed uh, essentially a light and dark map reactive uh, logic for uh, some of the skins. Um, And it was really cool to see how he just like ran with that idea and like, and just completely like, cause I, I think it was something he had initially said to me that made me think, Oh, we could do like a glow in the dark spray. Right. Um, and in talking to me with it, I, I could like see the, the, the cogs in his mind turning as he's like, Oh, this is how we would do that. Oh, actually I want to do this with the skin, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah. I guess that, that's a, so you luckily enough, it sounds like you had an environment where creativity was 100% encouraged you weren't kind of shoehorned into forming to whatever the boxes they had you were able to express yourself as you saw fit or do things to your own have had some initiative with your own ideas absolutely um i was really lucky enough to join valorant at a time where the team was relatively small and so it allowed me to kind of fill in gaps and experiment um Mm -hmm. you know i i always felt bad because uh you know my producer uh amazingly talented incredibly passionate um she really wanted me to dig into the production and i was i was trying my hardest but i have adhd and organizing planning prioritizing are all the things that i struggle with the most and that's like the definition of production (laughs) right and and it was a struggle and and i would start seeing a lot of these like creative things that i also that was like where my passion was. And I would always feel really torn and, and feel bad that I wasn't able to be as focused on the production side of things. Um, yeah, I, I but yeah. Div, uh, uh, Charlie is by far the most organized one out of our squad. Stop the cap. <laughs> I am, it's the mess. Uh, and also, by the way, I am old. I am a grown man and Charlie is much, much younger than I am. And I'm still the, the kid. He's lying to you. He's not a day over at 15. um funny obviously uh with all this is a lot of technical things that we just discussed you just brought up and discussed and you said that uh cultural anthropology was your major how did you go about learning how to work in this field because obviously you spent a lot of time at college working on something completely different where did you Mm -hmm. find the time to teach yourself or learn from somebody else Sure. So uh, that journey started, uh, I had mentioned 2014. Um, So I went to a conference here in LA called VRLA, and it was a virtual reality conference. um, And it had started from a meetup and then had eventually gone uh, and grown so that they could fill up the LA Convention Center. Um, And I remember distinctly walking around and being like, oh, people do this for a job. Like this is this is what people can do for their work. This is technology and exploration and art and all of those things that have always been a big part of my personal life. I was it was like this moment of of realization that it could be part of my actual career. And so I started researching a lot about VR, getting involved in a lot of online communities, um, and just reading a lot online, watching videos, um, and was having trouble figuring out how to really acquire those skills and really, really go from a consumer to actually doing it for my day job. And so I also write. And so I thought, okay, I I can write. I have a lot of thoughts about VR. I've been in the space at that point, I think is around uh, 2017. So I've been in the space for a few years. Um, so I started writing uh, for Medium um, and just publishing my own pieces about VR. Um, I was approached by VR Scout um, to start uh, being a freelance journalist for them. Um, and it was through a lot of that exploration and talking to creatives that I started getting insight into how people were similarly picking up those skills if it's not what they studied. And really just like, okay, I have to really push myself to learn in my, my spare time. Take, so I started taking online classes. I started uh, taking classes for Unity, for Unreal, all these game engines, yeah. uh, Maya to learn 3D modeling and animation, um, and really just relying on the internet and uh, YouTube to really try to pick up every piece of information I could. Um, and I would say that the the moment of uh, 
really dialing in on my skills really did come from working on Valorant. Um, as I mentioned, I worked with Sean Marino. He was an incredible mentor. He would sit with me for literal hours um, and sometimes after hours of work just teaching me. Um, and I would also, similarly in my spare time, look through a lot of our, our shared drive that we had uh, for the team, like, oh, our VFX lead did a tutorial for anyone who's onboarding onto the VFX team. I'm going to watch down all these videos. Right. So it really was just by being around that that I was able to start actually getting some, uh, you know, real grasp of, of kind of the full pipeline. Um, so I, I learned on the job and I feel very, very lucky that I was able to do that. Um, and so similarly, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I was like, there was some learning by osmosis, but also it was initiated by your own research ahead of time too, which you had done. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I had like a foundation, I had an understanding so that when I'm listening to a lot of these videos, when I'm watching people work, I could understand what they were doing enough that I could then have context going forward. And so, um, I also never really wanted to pigeonhole my skill set into one thing. Um, a lot of the advice I had been receiving for years at that point is pick something and focus on it. But again, ADHD, that's like, that's not the way my brain works. Right. But that also allowed me to, okay, so now I'm going to be learning animation. Ooh, this is interesting. I'm going to learn how to do 3D modeling. Um, and because I didn't just stick to one thing, I was able to get a holistic picture of how a lot of different things fit together. And because technical art is such an interdisciplinary field, it ended up lending itself very easily to the way that I had been learning up until that point. Um, and, uh, you know, we are lucky enough to live uh, in a time where uh, online classes are uh, pretty ubiquitous. Um, yeah. So there are programs like, uh, you know, Animation Mentor. I'm actually starting a class uh, in about a week um, to uh, start animating a small scene um so things like that so just supplementing and uh you know online platforms like udemy where it's you know 200 dollars course it's on sale for 12 dollars. so i have right. i have a lot of to plug yours as well that's great that's, that's oh yeah <laughs> yeah after the podcast anything you want us to plug or you want to put in the description it's like send it to me after the fact and i'll throw it in the description for yeah. the video yeah. oh no, no i mean i've purchased a lot Oh, I have purchased oh, yeah. a lot, of course. But for your, I, for your own class, when you get your yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so obviously, uh, a big thing. I'm obviously I was really interested in asking you about this because this game meant a lot to me in particular in regards to God of War. Uh, obviously, you worked really closely with Santa Monica Studios in developing mm -hmm. that. Um, so, were you there? When, when did you, when, what process did you come into the team? Did you come in when they had just built that huge studio, or when then when did you come in? Oh no! So that was that was already uh, you know pretty established. So I joined uh, in uh, I think it was the middle of uh, last year, um, and so uh, I was um, on the cinematic animation team. Mm -hmm. um, so all of the cutscenes that aren't cutscenes uh, for for God of War, um, and working with just an amazing team. Um, I was an animation pipeline coordinator. And so a lot of my work was uh, taking the data from the motion capture shots, um, processing it, getting it prepped, getting it to the animators, helping them troubleshoot. Um, and similarly, learned on the job there. Um, uh, you know, I had worked in Maya before. I hadn't worked in Motion Builder, which is Autodesk's main um, software uh, for motion capture specifically. Um, and I was very lucky, similarly, to work with people that would just sit with me and teach me and answer questions. And even if it was beyond my immediate scope of work, it was something where people were always really happy to teach me. And it, and it always ended up benefiting the work that I was doing and, and allowing me to, to grow what I would work on. Um, That's incredible. And it works, yeah. it actually works hand in hand with what you said before, how you learn how to do all like the animation essentially then all of the actual right. program and everything so it comes all the kind of comes together full circle we need the one kind of helping direct and kind of put these things together with the mocap and everything else that's great exactly, exactly. Yeah. now are you working on ragnarok at all or did you just work on the the previous 
game. I worked on Ragnarok. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, you know that that team was was just amazing. Um, the first, I guess, uh, thing that I saw and and saw them put together was all of. Uh, the cinematic portions uh, for the trailer, which was really, really fun and, mm -hmm. and amazing, um, and uh, an incredibly talented group. Um, right. And uh, yeah, so, uh, and that eventually led into uh, the work that I do now. Um, so I'm an associate technical producer at an animation outsource studio called Frame Machine. Mm -hmm. um, and so I work, uh, well, Right now, I'm functioning as the team's like just sole producer because uh, uh, my amazing producer actually got uh, an offer for a job at Nickelodeon um, <laughs> in in the New York studio, and and so she went over there. Um, so I'm uh, working uh, for the next like month and a half to to get uh, mm -hmm. our current project to to ship. Um, and uh, yeah, we're working on a lot of the in-game cinematics, um, and then similarly for trailers and stuff like that. Gotcha. That's incredible. The last time I ask about it, I promise. But you know, we need it for the clickbait. Then <laughs> need it for the clickbait for this to help me do numbers. Is there anything else about the game, rather it's any aspect of you witnessing or you worked on that you can give our fans any insight on? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh God, you know, it's funny because there's there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter recently about oh they reuse this animation, uh, which I always find hilarious um, because it it's people that don't know how games work and it's it's a critique that uh, you know it, if they understood how much time it took to sit and pose. You know, Kratos's hand to hold the axe in in his classic way. You know, yeah. and it's like, yes, we're going to reuse that because we're not going to do that. You know, eighty <laughs> more times right, right, right. For, for this one shot. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was really amazing to see. Um, God, just the the creativity on the team, being able to to take. Um, all of these really varying ski set, uh, skill sets. You know, we had people that were uh, really trained in realistic animation, working with motion capture, and then we had people that were amazing at doing hand key animation. You know, creatures, things like that. That you know, obviously, there's not motion capture for. Mm. And we had amazing cinematographers. Watching the the cinematography in this was so so cool because we'd be I'd be watching a live sh uh, mocap shoot. And they would have an iPad that was being tracked and, and with software and, and moving around and controlling a virtual camera. And watching these actors perform, understanding like everything that went into it. Um, it, it was amazing to see the level of, of work that was being done, especially coming from Valorant, which is very stylized. It has to be very performant because it's a competitive game. Right. Then going to this amazingly, you know, rendered cinematic uh type of of game was Jeez. was really fun, phenomenal yeah that's incredible that that is incredible but i guess that means that you've seen pretty much all of the you know all the story all the big i do Okay. You ask for spoilers on the story. I, I, I personally don't want that. I would probably be very angry, honestly. Yeah, no. It, but it, I will say it's going to be amazing. And the narrative team, um, the gameplay team, every single component of what is going to that game, I am incredibly excited for. That's right great. Right but, but you mentioned the gameplay real quick. What kind mm -hmm. of games yourself? Do you play a game still? What kind of games do you? Oh yeah, are you fond of these days? Uh, I know Elder yeah. Ring came out. Elder, Elder Ring's a big, huge, like massive. Oh. <laughs> Don't give me strength. I can't. <laughs> we spent so many hours in that one game, but uh, but how about you? What, what, are you? what are you fond of? Sure. So uh, I actually play a pretty uh, varied. Uh, uh, I would say library of games. Um, I've been putting a lot of uh, time into Teamfight Tactics, um, which, uh, as someone who didn't play League of Legends, it was it was a lot of learning for me. But uh, I think it was this morning at two a.m. I hit uh, plat, <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was my accomplishment. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, still and play way, a lot we of Valorant. Yeah. We were up at two a.m. Playing the Elden Ring together. Oh, <laughs> oh, 5 a.m. Actually, yeah, we're up at uh, 5 a.m. Playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I still play a lot of Valorant. Uh, I've been watching my friend play Elden Ring, which is a much more relaxing experience than playing it myself. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong in that assumption. I'm like, oh, look, you died again. Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I have a Switch, uh, you know, still still playing through. Uh, I, I just bought one of the new Pokemon games. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely hard, uh, you know, spending all day working in games. And then I'm going to unplug and go look at another game. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> but I, but I will say that's actually the way that my uh, gaming has changed, especially over uh, quarantine, is that games like TFT, games like Valorant, where they are very social, where I'm hopping to Discord with people, um, that is the way that I unplug is through socializing now, right. um, right. and and so games have really become my outlet for for socialization um in quarantine and and uh you know so anything that i can play while in a call with someone is something that appeals to me <laughs> right, i love right. it i love it it's great right so then me myself uh me being a um i'll say an amateur uh video editor now with kind of teaching myself stuff i whenever i see other videos i I can't watch videos the same way. I kind of hyper analyze them. <laughs> I see what I can steal. I, it's really hard for me to just enjoy videos as a consumer now. Do you have a similar um, experience now when you see games and like, do you look at an animation or something and like, oh, well, that was cool. Maybe I can steal that. Or maybe that wasn't as smooth as it could have been. Yeah, I, there, I definitely have those moments. And it's funny because it's, it's not as, I guess, um, disheartening in the sense of like I'm like oh look at that horrible thing it's more like oh that that looks like unfinished like you know that that production team must have been really under the gun to try to like get this done and they like oh I feel so bad for them you they must sympathize <laughs> yeah, <you> sympathize. yeah. <laughs> um I I will say it is very hard to play Valorant and not disconnect because I'll see bugs and I'll know what's causing them because mm, and things yeah, that like I yeah. used to be responsible for fixing and I'm like oh I know that they don't have the bandwidth to fix that in this patch <laughs> but ooh ooh I want to fix it <laughs> so that that is a little bit uh, uh, hard for me to to d disconnect uh, because yeah. I have that um, I, I probably couldn't do that I probably could not play consistently a game I worked on because I'd, I'd be so like. Mm -hmm. critical of myself it, it'd be too oh, it'd be weird, it'd be weird. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you're mad at if you die or a glitch happens like oh i did that oh my god yeah it's like that's is that my fault it's like you start mm. cursing yourself <laughs> yep yep sometimes i'll see like some of the early sprays i'm like oh i wish i had time to do that Ooh, you know <laughs> <laughs> you thinking, i wish man? i could have added a missive to that that would have been so pretty damn it <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. uh, one uh, thing I wanted to ask you about real quick too is this uh, going back to like you said, of course, your that your uh, your your background, your uh, mm -hmm. being queer and Latinx and Jewish, uh, all, all your upbringing, all those things. Did they influence how you uh, kind of approached making games? How you kind of like you mentioned Valorant, of course, the very creative type of game, and do all, all the directing and animation with uh, with God of War. Uh, did did all those did kind of your entire just the way you were raised in some sense kind of helped to influence you. You son of a gun, you stole my question. Of course not. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would definitely say that it is something that's really present. Um, you know, I, if Valorant hadn't been the diverse game that it was where it's, you know, every new agent is from a new country, um, I it would have been really difficult. Like if, if we saw a lot of tropes, if, you know, it, it was, um, you know, mostly white characters that like it overall, it would have really, um, I think affected my ability to be passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was something that I was very cognizant of, um, especially, uh, for, for skins. I was actually, uh, responsible for getting things approved by our international teams doing, localization and culture checks um and so i got to see how people from the actual cultures that we are representing are reflecting back on what we're putting in the game um you know astra uh is supposed to be from ghana and they actually cast a ghanaian voice actress who lives in ghana and and 
let her put a lot of uh, Ghanaian like uh, slang into the voice lines, like things that the the writers wouldn't know (laughs) because they're not from that culture. And so allowing authenticity in the game was something that was really important. And I feel very happy about seeing that um, present. Um, There uh, was just a uh, new character that was released that is, you know, allowing a lot of Philippinex, <laughs> uh, you know, folks, uh, just, you know, incredibly proud of it. Uh, actually, the uh, one of the designers on the character team uh, is Filipino, and he uh, was so proud to work on an agent um, that was Filipina and uh, really add that kind of representation, not only for himself, but that is a culture that is not often represented in, in yeah. games. Yeah, I can't. I can't do. Um, off the top of my head, I can't do anything else. It's it's also certainly come with its own challenges. Um, so right now, for example, uh, Frame Machine is working on the Hogwarts game that's releasing. Ooh, that yeah. big one. I'm so ready. Oh, I'm so ready. You are you you tend to only get like the biggest. <laughs> working on my favorite stuff ever. <laughs> what are you doing? How many souls to be sold to the devil? I need details you know, on that behind the scenes later on. <laughs> that don't even have to be a video just for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, you start by drawing a pentagram. No. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, being queer and working on a game that is benefiting someone who has come out as very transphobic has been difficult Mm. um and is something that you know like pretty much everyone else in our generation i was a huge harry potter fan and it was it was a huge part of my um you know self-directed reading it's you know something that's like yeah i want to read and i want to read this book and i want to read it all over again right and it's been really interesting because jk rowling benefits monetarily from you know anything in the ip because of royalties right and she uses her money and her platform to support anti-trans causes right um I had a pretty rough year financially and accepting the job at Frame Machine was not something that I had any other options <laughs> to do. Right. Um, you know, I, I had weeks actually, and, and this is probably a separate uh, topic uh, for, for game development in general, but I had weeks where while working on God of War, I was struggling to afford food. Um, and there were days that I couldn't, and weeks I couldn't afford food. And I was living off of snacks. Um, and you know, being able to take this job meant pulling myself out of that, but it also meant working on something that has a lot of baggage. Mm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I did a lot of soul searching and and where I landed um, and something I had actually just tweeted was, you know, there are queer game devs who've worked on this game. There are trans game devs that have worked on this game they've been paid we've been paid we don't we don't get royalties once the game releases like sales don't affect our pay mm-hmm. and so we've been paid and for people that are saying that you know oh we want to we want to support the the trans game devs who worked on this like support them by putting your money into queer content supporting queer nonprofits voting to protect their lives and their rights right. um you know, what we're seeing right now in Texas, for example. Um, and, you know, it's it's difficult. And having having an awareness like that that I think that I think you're both familiar with being black, of mm-hmm. there are things that you are just aware of by being part of the community that and having a certain set of experiences that other people will just not be cognizant of. Right, right. Um working on the game while being cognizant of it is really difficult and um, is certainly influenced by my background and trying to figure out, you know, how do I live (laughs) while also 
standing up for what I believe to be the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I can't, I mean, obviously, uh, it can't be easy to try to compartmentalize that. And uh, I, I completely feel with you as far as having to make hard decisions during hard times. Um, but if there's any solace, I think that there are times when the art transcends the artist. I feel like Harry mm-hmm. Potter is a prime example of that, where there's such a strong vocal community of people that are. Uh, in the LGBTQ community that do embrace that property and see it as their own and separate themselves or separate it right. from JK. So it's not like you, it's almost not like how, how dare you work on this property that the, the creator is, you know, not as a support of us. It's almost like, no, this is our property. She's over there. We're over here. Have a thing. Right. Uh, it, it may be wrong, but that's kind of how I tend to do. I, I think, I think that, that's difficult for me because it's still benefiting her monetarily and and she actively is using her money towards supporting, you know, so it's, it's hard. And, and, you know, um, I think especially when you look at the people that are out there, instead of trying to separate the art from the artist, just going and supporting, you know, creators of color, supporting Mm -hmm. queer creators, like instead of of looking to find that middle ground, put your money towards marginalized voices, marginalized communities, marginalized creators. Um, And so while I support my team, my team has put a lot of hard work into working on the cinematics for it. I personally am not going to to buy the game. Um, as cool mm-hmm. as it looks, as much as it is like every Harry Potter fans like dream to cast spells and and work on it and and see the world in that way. That is something mm-hmm. that I think, you know, especially with looking at the Harry Potter games that have come out in the past. <laughs> um, you know, this is like what people have been waiting for, and right. it's something that it's it's. It's hard, but it's an easy decision in that sense. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree. Um, and I, I, I can't imagine what, it, what it's like being in a situation in which you're working on something like that kind of goes against your core beliefs. But in a similar sentiment to Ethan, I will say that th- I feel like this series has meant so much to many different people, um, queer, straight or not. Uh, me in particular, this series, been, uh, we, we've talked about it on the podcast before, like the Harry Potter franchise to me, it's meant a lot to me like my early development is just a nerd and a person in general and even before i found out about the all the stuff and allegation well not even allegations things yeah, that yeah. jk has done and said about the community it, it kind of hurt me because the series meant so much to me and how i mm-hmm. went about it and i just want to i'm going to thank you up front for working on this project because I, i'm personally going to get the project and but because it just it means so much to me as an individual as difficult as the decision uh, your decision was, I want to say that you probably doing this has made a lot of people happy and probably right. put a lot more joy into the world. So although negative stuff is probably going to come out of it with JK using her money to fund things that go against that community, you probably in doing this have made a lot of people within the community and other communities a lot happier by yeah, making this project. So I will thank you for that. It's such a, it's a, I, I thank you too. Yeah. And it's, a, I, it's such a weird place to be in. Cause like, it's, it, right. to put it in perspective for us, for Charlie and I, uh, this is horrible. One of our <laughs> our catchphrases on this show is Jim Crow. We talk about Jim Crow in there all the time. And it's kind of like if we were working on something that was benefiting Jim Crow, you better believe we wouldn't we damn sure wouldn't buy that thing. So it's kind of right. like how could we it's it's a hard it's a very, very hard place to be in. And right. it's, uh, it's I hate I hate that it's a place that you are. I hate that it's mm-hmm. that the um I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just, it's just, it just sucks. It just sucks. It's, and it's, it's a tough it's, decision to make for sure. Yeah, um, it's, it's a I can't imagine going through that. That's yeah. I, that's tough. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't make it. Yeah. Uh, and we can we can leave as much of this in or as much as out as you. Oh, no, 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 no. It's yeah. fine. I I think this is important because this is, you know, this is a struggle that you know. I think people face in in pretty much every job that there's they're going to face things they're going to mm. you know like I people who are working a minimum wage job like it's it's generally not obviously their first choice but and the companies generally aren't going to be great but they're also doing that to survive and the thing that I I think is important is to focus on 
that yes, I've had to work on this. I mean, like I said, I was, you know, I was really struggling. Um, I also had gone through a separation uh, from my fiance, moved out of the house that we owned. Like my my financial uh, situation was pretty wrecked, you know, over the last year and a half, and having to make a choice for my own survival. Um, while also figuring out how to, again, stand up for things that are at the core of what I believe in, at at the core of the health and safety of my community, you know, it's really hard. And so, you know, I, I am focused on the work, but it's something that has, it, it has only strengthened my resolve to when I am able to have the freedom of choice to, right. uh, you know, have a selection of, of positions that I can choose from Absolutely. really only working on, on games that not only have the, the creators, uh, behind them being, um, you know, people of color, queer people, trans people, QT BIPOC in general, not just that, but also, the active like teams working on them, having that representation. Like at Riot, there was a joke, a friend of mine joined, uh, he was actually my like Riot buddy. And he was, I think the second black game designer at Riot. Um, massive at that time. Yep. That's, that's very telling, very telling. Yep. And, you know, hearing conversations like that, it's like, it is, it's really difficult. And when I look at a lot of representation, like in League of Legends from, from like the early days before, you know, when the team was really small and almost entirely, if if not entirely white, um, you look at, you know, characters like Senna, characters like Lucian, and you look at their splash art and it's like, pe- they, they don't know how to draw people of color. Like, mm, they, <laughs> like clearly, clearly outside of the moon. Yeah. Yep. And, and you see now what's what's been done and, and refreshing their splash art because you now have, uh, you know, concepts artists and illustrators of color who are working on this game. Um, it It is refreshing to see, but there's still so much work to be done. And it has it just strengthened my resolve to really push for that within um, gaming and entertainment as a whole. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's a and real quick. Uh, I want to thank you also for those who don't know. Uh, I guess no one would know this. The reason I know Bit is because I met him at a L.A. Comic Con and he actually uh, supported me. He came out, bought, I think, my entire section of books. So he was supporting uh, black owned, black created comics. And so it's kind of the same idea is that you can support uh, any kind of art that actually is made by and, you know, celebrates uh, you know, queer Latinx uh, right. whatever it might be all these different things and can, mm-hmm. just do it please do it so it's absolutely yeah. there there are plenty of uh cutie bipoc fan artists of harry potter that you know you can buy their their fan art and uh mm-hmm. support them while still you know loving uh, uh the ip separate from uh rolling and and putting money in the pockets of you yeah. know right. <laughs> marginalized creators absolutely so to kind of, I guess, get on a, on a, in on a joyous note here, um, in regards of representation, that's obviously been a big topic of discussion so far. Um, do you have any characters or in any kind of format, rather be game, movie, TV show, and that you really felt a connection with? Oh, um, God. Uh, I, I would say that... Uh, the, the updated representation of Senna, actually, when I uh, was researching Riot after I applied, after I'd interviewed, I wanted to learn more about the Riot IP um, and seeing there's a, a cinematic um, with Senna and Lucian, and she is so badass. <laughs> she has this like giant gun that is like, you know, twice the size of her body that sits on her back, and um, <laughs> Uh, I had actually gone to, uh, there's a, a visual effects school here in LA uh, called Nomen, and they had done a free talk and um, there were creators from Riot. And so I got to see a lot of uh, her uh, like concepts and a lot of the, the initial designs. And I, I had to, you know, know more. And, and uh, it was just, I would say, certainly an inspirational one. Um, nice. 
I, as a kid, I loved Samus. I loved this idea of, you know, like completely breaking expectations because uh, I, I come from a family of, of feminists and being able to have this, you know, badass bounty hunter, you know, and, and this reveal of like, oh, she's a woman. Oh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Except for the part where it does matter in the sense of breaking stereotypes and, and pushing that. But it didn't matter to uh, the strength of her character. It wasn't it wasn't something that you often see is, well, they succeeded in spite of, you know, right. it, it didn't disqualify her from her job at all. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's it's hard because there are so few um there are so few <laughs> good representations of, uh, you know, people of color. Ikora Ray from Destiny, um, I loved. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think it is there. There are our characters, and and I would love to see what more and more people can do. I love I love Astra from from Valorant. Uh, the design uh, of her kit, it's beautiful. It's purple and gold. It's regal. Um, her voice lines are amazing and hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I would say those those are ones that, that stand out. But, uh, you know, I wish there were more. <laughs> right on. Right on. I, had, I had one more question that came to mind. Because you, very in the beginning of the uh, episode, you spoke on something uh, that means a lot to me that I've, I've kind of had a similar conversation with uh, Ethan about it in regards to single player games. Mm-hmm. For me, I feel as though single player games offer an experience that you really can't get in any other type of game just due to you're building an atmosphere, you're telling a story and you're getting immersed in that world. What do you think it was about single player games that kind of captivated you so much when you first started your journey out as a gamer? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think single players are unique because aside from what is being delivered by the game, your experience of it is completely about your what you project onto that game. There's there's nobody else that is influencing what your experience is. Um, when I think of Valorant, for example, like so much of my experience is playing with other people and what they those specific friends add to whatever my experience is of the game. With single player, it is your brain <laughs> projecting, processing, you know, um, empathizing with these characters. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, I had health issues in high school and I was uh, on home study for a few years and was reading Harry Potter, uh, rereading at that time. Um, and so much of that was like me alone, completely alone in the house, just reading and, and having a journey and, and going along. And it is almost like starring in your own story because it is, you feel like you're a part of that journey. Absolutely. And Absolutely. especially as, you know, a queer kid who was not. I went from a, a, a to a Jewish school from first to eighth grade. I was, I think, one of two Latinx people there, mm. you know, and but also because my, uh, I think my entire generation in my family does not speak Spanish, um, and <laughs> e- everyone above does, you know. Uh, I also didn't feel like I fit fully in like the Latinx communities that I was mm. in, and so feel you know being mixed, being white passing. Um, always feeling like I wasn't quite a part of, um, all went away when, when I'm in an experience with just me and, and, you know, a game, uh, in a world like that. Um, oh, absolutely. Th- yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's funny. And we don't, we don't mean to diminish anything that you're saying, but we can relate on some level too, because we're, we're blurred, uh, just obviously since our black nerd mm-hmm. and it's a, we found, we, we generally very, we, we know the value of finding a community of people you feel kind of out of place where you don't feel like your your ideas or your passions are celebrated typically amongst your your yep. kind quote unquote and then to find people that are that are in your community that or that people that are in your kind of uh uh typically what, what should be your group mm-hmm. of people that actually mm-hmm. value the same things you do it's it's irreplaceable it's very right. you know, it's invaluable yep. 
I empathize and understand completely because I went through the whole, like you said, with being um, not feeling like you fit within either community. Again, I went through the same similar uh, issue with, you know, the term Oreo was passed around a lot of Mm -hmm. I my way I spoke was attributed to being white or my intelligence was attributed to being white so i didn't really feel black enough at some point in time or i didn't feel i was too black for the white kids so i had to find my own lane and like you said with single player games i played games so much growing up my mom probably mama love you but she probably was annoyed with it um again all that went away and i I enjoyed the story i enjoyed the journey i just got attached to so many different characters that meant a lot to me so that was very interesting to see that's a similar it's a, a, a reoccurring thing that I've heard from multiple people now. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, and so they, again, thank you as a game developer for giving us mm-hmm. that experience. And it, for, mm-hmm. for us to hear that you actually uh, iterate that, that you're aware of that when you're creating single player games for us, uh, one makes it that much more evident when we're playing them. Man, he makes dope shit, man. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, you see, you played it. Uh, oh, I, I love it. Really played it. it awesome. It's awesome stuff. Uh, I, I, my last question is a really, it's probably the most important question. Uh, and the show we're ever going to ask to anyone, uh, what is the name of your pup that you are uh, watching right now? So, uh, so it's two actually. So Sam and Frodo. Uh, so those <laughs> those were nice. were names that I picked. Nice. Um, so my ex uh, fiance and I adopted them about five years ago, which is wild to think about. Um, and you know, it, it was an amicable separation. So uh, I I get first dibs on on pup sitting. Um, yeah, so I, I drove back to my place for, for this call because I knew they would probably be barking and interrupting, but otherwise I would hold them up to the camera. Oh, I <laughs> love it. No, it's, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, by the way, awesome names, perfect names. <laughs> Amazing names. Um, before we close out, is there anything you want to plug or promote, uh, Ben? Um... Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, Valorant and and uh, God of War, you know, um, they're yeah, <laughs> there's there's just a, an amazing group of people uh, working on both. And I am so excited for, you know, upcoming skins and characters for, for Valorant and for people to get their hands on God of War and, and just, uh, you know, see what what. Uh, an amazing world has been built. Fantastic. I'm so Fantastic. Uh, I'm so and you mentioned, <laughs> right, we're, we're, we're crazy hype, but real quick, you also uh, mentioned that you are teaching your own classes coming up here. Would you just kind of mind just a. Uh, Oh no no I I so I'm not teaching. Uh, oh, okay. no no I was saying yeah yeah the, the, I, just that I purchased a lot of courses. No no I I will at some point probably want to teach given that 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 is a passion that is left over from when I was considering being a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I have a long way to go before I can do that. Fair fair enough. Okay no worries right. at all. Well, thanks again so much again for for buying for buying my my random books, little kitty books, <laughs> and, uh, and thanks for spending the, t- the day with us. This is this is a this is a great a pleasure, truly. Right. This is great. Sandoval, it was great meeting you. Thank you so much for coming on and giving so much insight. Uh, one of the better conversations we've had on the podcast itself. So thank you so much, and thank you for everything you do. Thank Absolutely. you. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Then and Now podcast. We will see you guys next time.